my beautiful lollies. I hope you are having a wonderful day. It's kind of raining out here in Rome, so my mood is a bit meh. And it's also that time of the month, so my mood is a bit meh. And I'm about to share a pretty emotional story with you guys. It is something that I've been wanting to share for a while, and I finally have the courage to tell it. I finally am mentally stable enough to tell it. So, here we go. This is Lolly's Ingloss. In August of 2020, my greatest fear came true. It was a Sunday morning. I woke up to grab a coffee with my friend. The sun was beaming, the sky was blue, and the flowers were blooming. It was a perfect sunny day, typical for Santa Monica, and I just remember feeling peaceful. I remember feeling so happy to see my friend. I I didn't see her for a, a quite a long time, and she just has such an amazing spirit and good energy, and I was just so excited to see her and grab coffee, so we walked around to a cafe in my neighborhood, had a bit of coffee, a croissant, and you know, had a short walk, and then I came home. I remember coming home feeling quite tired, so I took a nap, and it was a good nap from what I can remember, a long nap, but when I woke up, something didn't feel right. I didn't know what it was, but I just I just felt strange, so I went up to get a glass of water. I'm like, okay, you're probably dehydrated, so I'm walking up to the kitchen, and I see a woman sitting at the dining table eating breakfast. Now, although this woman kind of resembled my mom, she didn't exactly look like her. Her voice sounded different, and she had this weird, dark glare in her eye. A glance that I've never seen before. This was not my mom. This was the devil. Suddenly, the kitchen walls started closing in. My body became heavy as if my legs were turning to stone. My breath became short and my body started to shiver. I ran to the couch to sit down and immediately blacked out. I remember not being able to see anything around me, but I could hear and feel everything. Was I going blind? Was this just a bad nightmare? It was neither, but merely the beginning of the many hallucinations I would experience that day. The entire day I was trapped in a loop of never-ending nightmares. All my greatest fears materialized, and they were disturbing, to say the least. My last moment of consciousness was around 4pm. I remember waking up on a cushion in a living room. I didn't know where I was. My only guess was that I had been abducted. Anxiously, I lifted my chest from the cushion, and with every ounce of willpower, I stood up. I didn't know what to do except run. I remember climbing out a window and running, running to I don't know where, but I just knew that I had to run and run as fast as I possibly could. As I was running, a huge black car was following and was approaching me at an accelerated rate. A large man got out of the car and carried me into the vehicle. I lost all my vision and all feeling in my body. I lost complete control. A few hours later, I woke up to a beeping sound. My vision was slowly starting to clear, and I noticed my clothes had been stripped off, and I was wearing what appeared to be a very thin blue gown. 
There were needles in my arms and tiny black tapes around my chest. At that moment, I believed I was abducted, drugged, and taken from my family to a facility where life is a living hell. This was not the case. The truth was I was in the ER about to enter septic shock. I contracted a life-threatening condition known as sepsis. Sepsis occurs when the body's response to an infection damages its own tissues and can lead to severe organ problems, hallucinations, and potentially death. During my recovery, I was experiencing crippling anxiety to the point where I had at least three panic attacks a day. I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't sleep by myself. I was scared of the dark. I was scared of my phone. Almost anything that, you know, a normal person would be able to deal with in their life was unattainable for me. I mean, I tr- it, it was as if I was born into a world where I didn't understand anyone, almost as if I was an alien transported to a new planet. And there was a part of me that did think I was an alien. I remember, you know, writing down weird numbers and doing these weird sign language movements with my hands in hopes that an alien above watching me would come and save me. And I know that sounds insane, but that is really the state of mind that I was in. And it's it's shocking, it's scary, and, you know, when I read my journal from that period, I, I genuinely do get scared when I read what I've written and what I've, what I've seen. It, it, it's, it's the journal of someone who has experienced another dimension. It, if someone were to just read the journal, they'd think, damn, this person took a lot of acid, which that's actually what the doctors thought first when I came to the hospital. They told my parents, she has taken a, a, too much acid, shrooms, and possibly other drugs. They, they, had, they, they were convinced that what, I was that what I was experiencing was a bad trip, which it, it's crazy because the mind alteration that occurs when your body's you know, experiencing a near uh, death experience, um, serious infection, sickness. It, it's insane. And who knows, maybe the hallucinations were kind of a way to save my life because I was doing absurd things. Like I told you guys, I ran out of my house. I barely, I was wearing my pants on backwards, my shirt inside out. I didn't have shoes on. I just ran. And, you know, obviously my parents, when I said a man came out of the car and came to take me into the vehicle, that was my dad, right? So they they figured out that I, you know, ran away, ran down the street and they came and get, they came and got me. And then after that, I had um, a seizure. I completely lost consciousness. My eyes were rolling back. That's when my parents called 911 and took me to the hospital. So... You know, if maybe I didn't act on those hallucinations or, you know, didn't see such vivid hallucinations, I could have been dead because no one knew that I was sick, which is, it's, it still scares me, but you know, it's crazy what the body can do. I was still hallucinating even three months after being in the hospital and I couldn't identify if I was living in reality or in my hallucinations. I became very depressed because it felt as if I was born into a world that I didn't understand, living with a family who I barely recognized. During this period, my sister stopped talking to me, which I don't blame her at all. 
I couldn't speak normally to anyone. And I think the sight of me being so sick and so distant from reality scared her. I mean, it would scare anyone. In six months, I lost all my communication with the outside world. I didn't know how to talk to my friends. And almost every time I left my house, I thought I was going to get raped, shot, or arrested. I became very suicidal. And the only thing that really felt good was sleeping, except for the fact that I had to wake up. As you can imagine, this was very painful for my family to watch. They didn't recognize their daughter, and I surely didn't recognize myself. I remember just feeling trapped in my skin, feeling like I wanted to rip my skin off. Nothing felt good. I would take showers all day. I would change my clothes. I just always felt uncomfortable, and that's a horrible feeling. It's it's very weird to not recognize yourself in the mirror and not feel like you're actually in your body. I tried therapy and I talked with multiple therapists, but nothing seemed to work. I couldn't trust anyone. I didn't know if my hallucinations were real or not, and I was scared if I shared them, I'd be sent to a mental hospital. There were times where I would have extreme panic attacks or say something very absurd or say I wanted to run away. I, I, I even tried to run away a couple of times during recovery, you know, and my parents didn't know what to do. And, and so they, they did think and even tell me maybe it is better if you go to a, a you know, a hospital or a place where someone can treat you and you don't harm yourself. During this period, my life became very silent. I sat in silence. I painted in silence. I wrote in silence. Silence used to be one of my fears, but suddenly it was the only thing that offered me comfort. Learning to sit in silence every day was the root of my recovery. I sat and I meditated and I imagined myself endlessly floating through clouds in a place that resembled heaven. Heaven was always on my mind. The, you know, I, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in an afterlife. I believe in reincarnation. I believe in a higher power. And these were thoughts that I was thinking about all the time. It consumed most of my day. And it, yeah, it's it's just an interesting, it's an interesting period. Just sorry, I'm just thinking about it. It's just interesting because I, you know, there were moments where I thought I was talking to angels. I thought I was talking to God. I thought I was talking to devils. It's just, and it all seems so real. I, there's part of me that still believes that some of them were real. Meditation was my safe haven, and sometimes I would meditate for three to four hours straight. Now, I know that sounds absurd, but truly it was the only activity that offered me peace and safety. And after about four months, life started to become normal again. I wasn't hearing voices or seeing things that weren't there, and I started talking to my friends again. And finally, I was able to go on walks alone, my suicidal thoughts vanished, and I started to feel hope. Hope that I was finding myself again.
and every day I did. About a year later, I was finally me, but this new version of myself was different. She had a deeper view of life and its meaning. She was kinder, softer, and less judgmental. She understood that everyone had a story, a story that wasn't always visible, a story that others may never know. For a long time, the story only existed between the lines of my journal. I want to share a journal entry I wrote during my recovery. This is dated October 22nd, 2020. I'm the best when I make others feel beautiful. I'm the best when I make others feel full. When I lift them up so they can fly free and let go. I'm meant to be light to this world. I have a purpose and everything in my life is meant for me. Please trust it and never forget it. This was one of the many affirmations I wrote during my recovery experience. It was almost as if someone else was writing these words to me as a message. Because I can tell you, I certainly did not believe those words at that time. Like I said, I was extremely suicidal. And I felt that I, I didn't have a purpose anymore. And it was very, very hard for me to try to grasp how my future could be better than this. I I didn't see possibility for change. But these words somehow just came out of my hand. As I said, like a message from an angel. I spent almost that whole year alone. Even though I said I was talking to my friends with me. Eight months, I I generally spent my time alone. And I think that time alone taught me a lot. Solitude shapes character, and in order to embrace the most authentic version of yourself and the truest version of yourself, you have to spend time alone. I think as a generation, we're so built to constantly need distraction, whether that be from social media, scrolling endlessly on TikTok, watching YouTube videos while studying, or Netflix shows while eating meals. It seems as if we're always multitasking, and we're addicted. We're addicted to multitasking, but it's not productive multitasking. It's not productive multitasking. Like I said, it's a distraction. During high school, I remember I couldn't go anywhere without my phone. I always was checking Instagram, and I couldn't eat a meal or um, go to the bathroom without watching a YouTube video or Netflix show. After getting sick, I barely spent any time on my phone. One, because I was scared of my phone. I mean, it's common knowledge that we don't have actual privacy and the government is monitoring everything we're saying, watching, and Google searching. Um, yeah, if you didn't know that, um, yeah, sorry to ruin that for you. While I was sick, I genuinely thought my friends were actual kidnappers and CIA agents like waiting for the right moment to kidnap me and kill my family. I'm sure you guys are listening to these descriptions of thoughts and hallucinations thinking, how is that even real? And that's my reaction every time I read my journal. And trust me, guys, I'm just scratching the surface. The hallucinations that I haven't spoken about are probably too disturbing for me to ever share on social media. Anyways, I wasn't spending time on my phone and 
you know, looking at my phone also made me depressed because I couldn't relate to the perfect happy lives I was watching on Instagram. I remember at the time looking up motivational speeches or motivational videos for people who have experienced near-death experiences or for people who are suicidal, but I couldn't find anything. I spent a lot of time painting, reading, writing, and watching movies, and sometimes just doing nothing at all. Sometimes I only had the energy to lay down and sunbathe in the park. And during this time, I realized that I couldn't remember a time previously where I just did nothing. I, or even relaxed, or even a a passion or hobby for no reason. In the past, I always did things intentionally to get an outcome or reaction. There always had to be a point or a gain. And I was, I was learning to relax. I was learning to truly observe my environment. I was noticing nature, flowers, butterflies. I, I remember I saw some butterflies mating a couple of times. And I don't know. I, it was almost as if I was watching Animal Planet. My eyes were so focused on just the butterfly and all the details in the leaves and the patterns of their tree's roots. It felt like I was connecting to my inner child again. When I was a kid, I remember being obsessed with fairies, fairy books. I had a fairy. It was actually my mom. But I would write her every night and little letters. It was my mom's way of getting me to practice writing. So you can thank her. But I genuinely thought I was writing to my fairy. And I just remember going off into my own little world in my backyard playing with the different mushrooms and trees and making little fairy costumes with leaves and having little um, ceremonies for bees when they died. When I found dead bees, I would my sister and I would bury them and make little graves for them and have a ceremony. <laughs> Thank you for your service. But, you know, I I felt like I was connecting to that time. I mean, I almost acted like I was a child. My my sister kept saying that. She's like, it's like you're not, it's it's like a child trapped in <laughs> an adult, 20-year-old's body. Well, I guess I wasn't 20 at the time, but like 19, whatever, you get it, adult-like body. Um, when you go through a near-death experience, your perception of life changes, Everything changed for me. I realized how superficial some of the things I was focusing on were and how they really had no, no, no actual essence. A lot of my proudness and security came from my image, how people thought of me. Do people think I'm pretty? Do people like how I look? Do people like what I'm wearing? And at the end of the day, none of those things actually matter. If there's anything that I experienced when I was, you know, going through that sepsis, entering septic shock, I felt energies. I saw lots of lights, you know, different colors as if like different people emitted different colors. I mean, people see they can see people's aura. So I believe that that's true. And I just remember being able to see different colors out of people and lights and beings. And I almost saw my DNA unravel into what looked like 
a huge dimension of rainbows. I know that sounds like it sounds like I took acid or DMT, but hey, DMT is a dream. It comes from from a dream state. I don't even I don't know what I'm saying. It's no DMT is found in every living thing in life, and you experience it when you die. Like it, it's the same. I don't know what it has to do with sleeping and dreams. I forget. I got to look into that. DMT is so interesting, but it it, it seems if I've I've experienced that. And you experience this sort of light and this sort of being that, I don't know, I, I do believe there, there's something, there's a higher, you know, spirit. And anyone who has this sort of near-death experience kind of says something of this sort, which, you know, I think, I think it's, it's interesting. So you guys are probably wondering how I contracted sepsis. It was discovered that I had an untreated UTI. This UTI was untreated for about three months. If you don't know what a UTI is, a UTI is an infection in any part of your urinary system. Your urinary, your urinary system. Sorry for my mispronunciation there. Your urinary system. Your kidneys, uterus, bladder, and urethra. Wow, I can't say any of these words. My most infection, uh, okay, most infections, guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Most infections involve the lower unit urinary, oh my God, is it because I'm dyslexic? Like, why can't, urinary, why, okay, okay, most of the infections involve the lower urinary tract. Okay, I said it. The bladders, yeah, and the urethria, oh my God. Please just ignore that. I can't say those words properly. <laughs> Women are at greater risk of developing a UTI than men. I'm sure you guys have heard of a UTI and they're super common. I'm very prone to get them and a lot of girls are, a lot of my friends are. Infections limited to your bladder can be painful and annoying, but can also get more serious and spread to your kidneys and in some cases become potentially deadly when contracting sepsis. As I told you guys, my organs were f not functioning properly. My heart rate was rapid. I, I was experiencing all these things. And I, I, I remember being in pain for a long time, but I just kind of thought, oh, I don't know what, just like back pain or period, you know, I ignored it, which please guys don't ever ignore. And I wish they talked about this in sex education, I feel like they never really talked about how common UTIs are or how serious they can be. And two of the main causes are wiping improperly after going to the bathroom and sexual intercourse. And I wish, yeah, I just wish they taught us that at school because I've noticed almost every time after intercourse, I have experienced, you know, a UTI. That's kind of the only time where I get them. And Ladies and boys, make sure you pee before and after intercourse. Drink a ton of water. Cranberry pills, cranberry pills really help. And be mindful of your pH level. For example, coffee and red wine definitely inflate the bladder. So be careful of drinking too much of those. But yeah, I got it from a UTI. And I still get UTIs. And sometimes it can get very scary. 
but I, I make sure to get the proper medication, antibiotics, and clear that. But yeah, a lot of people don't understand how truly serious a UTI can be. So overall, I wanted to share this experience and hopefully, you know, I'll talk about it more as I get more comfortable with it and be able to really tell the extent of my hallucinations. I don't think I'm at that point yet, but I'm at the point to say that I am a completely new person. I'm so happy with life right now. It's like, you know, every day I wake up grateful to be alive, grateful to feel like myself to be able to go to school, to re- to do all the things that I love, even to just have vision, because I did truly think I was going blind during that period, and it's so vivid still. Like what, what the sensation of seeing nothing? It's 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 so scary. I think it's still one of my greatest fears. Um, so you know, it, it's made me more. It's, it's given me more gratitude and I think I'm softer. I'm less judgmental. I understand that people have stories and traumas that most people will never know. And I think all of you guys should, you know, take in that thought every day. I know everyone's like, you can never judge a book by a, by a cover and you never know what someone's going through. But I don't think we really know what we mean when we're saying that. We're talking about... Like, we don't know what their psych has seen and gone through and, you know, why their thought process is the way they are, you know, why they might be um, scared or weird about certain topics or activities. Um, So, yeah, just, just be mindful of that and be nice to everyone. And this life is really blessed. We like to complain a lot, you know, and say the earth is a simulation, which I have thought that as well, especially when I was hallucinating. But I think one thing that we should all take when we go to bed is, hey, we're all here and we all experience emotions. We all experience the same feelings. Even the feeling of just touching someone else's body, it's electric. It's... It's like you can feel the energy, you know, with someone you like, obviously, or even just your friend. Like when you place your hands next to each other, you feel each other's particles. I know that sounds weird. It sounds like I'm a crazy acid woman. No, but I'm telling you guys, we, there has to be a reason for why we are here. And there has to be a reason for why we can all relate to one another and feel the same things and share the same feelings. I don't know. To me, that's the most powerful thing. And this life is great, man. This life is great, man. And you don't know what's going to happen to you, you know? And there was times where I wish this never happened to me, but I can say I'm very happy that it did because it's made me grounded and actually understand what it is I want from life and what I want to be and how I want to treat other people. So that's what I'm going to leave with. If you guys have any similar stories, I'd love to hear about it. Go on the Instagram, as you know, Lollies and Gloss website, Lollies and Gloss if you want merch. And 
I hope you guys like this episode. Thank you for listening. I love you so much. See you next week.